I was having a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, I working hard. We all were. It was playing good hard. Yeah. And yeah, you know, life was pretty good. Have I said too much? Pretty soon you'll be telling stories that can't be told. Welcome to my podcast, Whistler Stories That Need to Be Told. Today, I have Nigel Woods joining me, Chairman and Director of Coastal Mountain Excavations, which he started over 40 years ago. What I wanted to start with was how did you get here? Like, that's like we all arrived for, for strange reasons, come skiing or whatever. What brought you here? Uh, I was a UVic student, and uh, during the, my university days, we actually, we had a ski club in, at the University of Victoria, if you can believe it. And I came up here for the uh, Remembrance Day weekend and stayed at the little, the, the A-frames down at Brandywine. I don't know if you recall I lived those. there myself. I, well, that was I my was first, the park warden. So that was the first place we stayed in. Oh, yeah. Came up with a lot of university. Was the help. lodge there or just the A-frames? Just the A-frames. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was big mountain and all the mountains on the island were small and you know just pretty insignificant so whistler had this even then i mean that was in probably 1972 maybe yeah about then i think yeah and so it was just a, a weekend and anytime you had a long weekend i would go Oh, gosh, you know, if I just had a few days skiing, I'd have such a better attitude to come back to university and get, you know, and then I'll really study, right? Well, <laughs> I ended up going skiing more than I did studying. Of course. But I, I finished uh, university at UVic. We decided, you know what we're going to do? Before we go back to postgraduate school, I was going to go to law school. We decided we are going to go to Europe and ski for a year. And do the Europe thing, you know. Right. Myself yeah, and my that's buddies. That's what you did. I did that too. Yeah, sure. myself, and my yeah. buddies went to Europe, went to Amsterdam, bought a Volkswagen van, and Same. traveled yeah. around. Yeah. And, you know, did horrifying things, and but we were going to ski for the year. So anyway, we bought new skis and boots in, in uh, Munich, and we stopped in uh, in Samritz. We went skiing, and the, my first day out on my new equipment, I broke my leg really badly. Um, so I only skied like half a day. Uh, anyway, long story short, I was going, well, obviously the European, uh, year of skiing, it was gone. But, but how does that start your, well, your career in, in a ski area, yeah, right? In, yeah. So, way it so anyway, so <laughs> I went back to Victoria and got a job. And then since I'd missed the trip to Europe, I, uh, was going to go to law school, but you Vic was just starting law school and it was delayed a year in opening. You know what? I'm going to go skiing for the year, but I'm going to do it in Whistler. So that's, That's I came to Whistler that fall, left the girlfriend, right? I was a rider back then, a horseback rider, uh, rode jumping horses. Oh, really? I Uh I was quite a high-end rider actually back then as well. A competitive. Um, Competitive rider. Right. And uh, I sold my horse, left the horse in Calgary, left the girlfriend in Victoria, came to Whistler not really knowing what I was going to do except ski. The first year we came up here, found a place to rent just down the road here on Nestor's Road, one of the old A-frames on Nestor's Road. I think it's still there, a gothic Mm A-frame. And I, I roomed with a couple of old buddies from Victoria, who was part of the 
clan, if you will, yeah, that I grew up with. Yeah. And uh, that's how I came here. I was just going to ski for a year. Yeah. And then go back that's to law That's a typical school. story, but it's funny how all those things that were kind of devastating and had made you wait, and you know, it was kind of destiny that the that best thing that ever happened, happened to me, one of the best things that happened to me in my life was yeah. I broke my leg in Samaritan, right? Go. Yeah. And it changed my life completely. And that coming to Whistler for that season, yeah. I was, you know, at during the season, I was I went and talked to my dad at home, and um, you know, dad uh, was a lawyer. I came from a long line of lawyers. Oh, okay. And I said, Dad, you know, what about this? Dad said, what do you want to be a lawyer for? It's a, it's a terrible job. You know, it's a bad job. I've never liked it. And I went, well, why didn't you tell me this five years ago? Yeah. But he didn't. Yeah. And, and I went, okay. And then basically the idea of being a lawyer, the attraction to being, being back in Victoria. In city. It was gone. an office job. Job. Going yeah, back yeah. to school for yeah. another, um, you know, four years. Just yeah. the appeal yeah. just wasn't there. Yeah. And um, the appeal was here. The appeal was here. Yeah. I I learned to be a good skier because I applied to uh, be a ski instructor with McConkie back in the day. And I really learned to ski then. Well, you had to. Yeah, uh, yeah and, it's a big mountain. Yeah, and it was yeah. tough skiing. Right? Strong. Yeah. And uh, I tough. skied my, the ski school back then. So I taught skiing for the first year that uh, I was here. Oh, yeah. You know, I skied with the likes of. Trudy Selmhofer, Trudy Alder, um, Bob, Bob, yeah, uh, Bob Dufour, uh, John Colpitz was another one of the oh, guys. Yeah. I think yeah. this total he, was, he was, yeah, he was the yeah. assistant director yes. back in the yeah. day. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think the total ski school component might have been two dozen yeah. people. Yeah. And half of them didn't want to teach. They wanted to just go ski powder. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I taught skiing. Uh, and I also, during that time, it, I mean, it only paid six or eight bucks an hour or something like that. It was full start. If that. I if mean, that. I was making two on the list. It was ridiculous, right? <laughs> it was ridiculous. I know. But it snowed, eh? I yeah. mean, it snowed so much. And yeah. that's what started, yeah. uh, you know, my. I started clearing snow. I, I leased a tractor. You saw the opportunity. Leased a tractor. How did you... Uh, how did you know? Were you using equipment on your father's property when well, you were young? I grew up on a farm. I, I ran the farm. My dad was a lawyer, oh, right? Yeah. Okay. And he couldn't do anything practical, right? right? He was he the, was he the best he could do. He, he was never, a breadwinner, but he was away. He right. he wouldn't yeah. fix a fence with a nail. He'd tie it up with string, right? <laughs> it was just he was hopeless. Yeah. So and I enjoyed the yeah. uh, practical, with your hard work. Yeah. And uh, we had tractors and we cut hay and, yeah. you know, we did all of that. So I was familiar with both equipment. You could the, fix it. And, yeah, yeah, I could yeah. fix it. And the yeah. satisfaction of hard yeah. work, right? Right, right. So I leased a tractor for my brother uh, who was in Victoria and yeah. had a small excavating contracting company at oh. that time. Oh, yeah. My younger brother. Yeah. So I brought the tractor up here and I started clearing people's driveways. I was, was anybody else doing that? There was one other guy uh, below logging did a little bit of it. Right. They did all the big parking lots for Whistler, uh, just Whistler mm. at the time, because they had loaders and stuff yeah. that they wouldn't the use in the equipment. winter. Yeah. Right. They did that. And there was one other guy by the name of Craig Dugan, and he had some pretty couple of 
quite nice pieces of equipment, right? Mm -hmm. And mine was just a little tractor. It had no windshield on it or anything. I mean, my only windshield yeah. was, remember the big Smith goggles, those great big ones? Yeah, yeah. That was my windshield. Yeah, all right. right? Yeah, yeah, you're out and there. There's when it snowed storms. like hell, <laughs> the snow just built up on my lap and oh, came yeah. up and up. And, up <laughs> and literally yeah. filled the whole area with yeah. snow. So and you're out there all day, but you made making good money. It was better than ski school. Oh, ski school. So I did that, and that mm -hmm. was kind of my... That was the start mm -hmm. of my, uh, call it, construction career. But then yeah. the sewer, I mean, we incorporated, and there had to be this sewer. And you were like the guy that got the contract, right? Well, I was you're uh, at that I point, yeah. at that point, well, actually, during, during that same era that I started with the little tractor and teaching skiing, I also worked as a waiter at the keg. Oh, yeah. So I had three jobs. Yeah. And I, I balanced all of them somehow yeah. and ended up making a reasonable income, right? Yeah. And uh, the work at the keg was just a blast. I mean, yeah, the, the camaraderie of oh, the keg just, back in the day. It was, was so just, good. just It was packed every, every weekend. It, it was, was just hilarious. Place to go. <laughs> so I remember back in the day, and this is kind of interesting history of where we've come. I was training to be a waiter at the keg. Training. And I was behind this guy uh, who was a longtime waiter. And uh, and the keg was kind of an in place at that time. It was, remember. for sure. So I was behind this guy, and he served this customer a steak. The steak was destroyed. It was just a burnt offering. And the guy, he says, the guy says to the waiter, Jay, he says, well, do you call this a steak? And Jay looks him in the eye and says, well, it's not a fucking fish, is it? <laughs> and that was customer service. <laughs> so obviously I was a lot better than that. This, is, in the, this is the rough world. <laughs> was yep, that was when the keg was down at all. I know, yeah. yeah. No, it was yeah. fun. And yeah. Doug and the slugs would be playing and we'd exactly. be popping around. Freakers' balls were held yeah. there. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I came to Whistler because of an accident in Switzerland. And because I decided I wasn't going to continue with the career path of yeah. being a lawyer. And and necessity of supporting yourself yeah. actually started the construction company. Yeah. So And timing. And timing. I mean, it is, it, things just kind of happened. It happened. It was destiny. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, yeah. that the first summer I lived here, you know, after oh, the, the summers are totally different, totally they? completely different. Yeah. So it was a whole new deal. Yeah. And I uh, actually got a job in the summer working for Velo Logging. Right. Which yeah. was the logging company where Saber's yard is now, right? Yeah. Where yeah. Saber Rentals is. Yeah. With the cookhouse and everything. Yeah, like the cookhouse and jams so and all that. I was hired as um, a first aidman because mm. I had an industrial first aid ticket mm -hmm. and a skater operator because I ran equipment. I did everything. Mm. And it was a really well-paid job. Where, were you out in the woods? We logged up yeah. the Ryan River Valley okay. up, up Pemberton. Yeah and, yeah. and I got to, I learned about the the West Coast Pacific high lead logging, which was unbelievable. It was the yeah. most dangerous. I did it. I did it blasting. And just it, yeah, it was dangerous, freaky. frightening. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. it was kind of like going to war every day, Bruce. No kidding. And there were no safety precautions. It Terrible. Was just 
you know, get out there and don't be a wimp. <laughs> just live, you know, somehow. So but you got paid pretty good. I got, we got paid pretty well. Yeah. And Lawrence Lowe, my boss, was a wonderful man. Yeah. He was yeah, just a first-class guy. Yeah. Treated me really well. And I worked harder than, oh, my God, it was hard work. I kind of thought that there might be an opportunity to have a small construction company that was an equipment company. Mm -hmm. So I talked to Lawrence about it. He said, I asked him, well, Lawrence, what do you think? And Lawrence said, you know, it's probably not a bad idea. And um, because things were, it was. There will be a future here. It's starting to yeah. move. And they yes. did, yeah. most of the construction projects were d done here in town that involved equipment, bulldozers and so on. They did it with the extra equipment they had in the logging business. There was no other equipment contractor here no. in the area. But they were primarily loggers. And, and they were Pemberton people, too. Yeah, they were Pemberton people, yeah. although they did have the camp here. Right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And Lawrence. And that was the center of town. It was, yeah. That's where we got our mail. That's where the cookhouse was. was. That's where it all happened. It was Remember everything. They, they used to have those, uh, where they used to have the sander racers at the building supply. There. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and, like and they had, and they used to have in the shop, they'd have those big, uh, the, the cookhouse parties and the Halloween parties and yeah. stuff. But guys lived there. So, yeah. So, yeah. you know, it was, um, so I started thinking about it. I really didn't have much money, but my brother had an older backhoe that he was going to sell. Mm -hmm. So I sent the little tractor back and bought his backhoe. Oh, okay. And uh, then... That was Adrian? Or? That was my brother Adrian. Right, yeah. Yeah. And um, so... I bought the backhoe, and then uh, I knew that the main sewer trunk was going to come into town, right? So when that happened, I went and made uh, contact with Standard General Construction back in the day. Right, yeah. Who was the contractor. They were the big guys. Yep. They're the big guys from there. I think they're based out of Calgary, actually. Oh, yeah. And they, they were... They, they bid had, on the sewer. They yeah. bid on the sewer yeah. and won it. Yeah. And I supplied... Some of the, I supplied my backhoe and myself to them to do support work for their, mm. you know, their bigger stuff. But you right? had to get a bigger machine? And... Uh, yeah, well, I just had the backhoe then. Okay. Right? And um, <clears throat> I had the backhoe then and, and worked for them. And they got another contract putting in the sewers. Actually, it went from there when the main trunk was done. That took a year and a half or two about that. To go to fun, from Alta Elf, Elf, Vista to function, function. days. Okay. And then on into the village eventually, right? So mm -hmm. when that infrastructure was expanded into the subdivisions, into Creekside, into Alta Vista, and those other subdivisions that were on the south end of town, yeah. I bought another machine, a new one, and work, went to work, back to work for Standard General Construction mm -hmm. as an independent contractor. Right. And I also worked for another company called Founds Construction, which was an old BC company mm -hmm. um, that did all the infrastructure in Creekside for their, their sanitary sewers and so on and so forth, right? I did the work for Standard General in the main sewer trunk, but also some so of the So you kept busy year in, year out. I did, and then I used the, yeah. my backhoe to start plowing more and more driveways, Yeah, you know, and I could do that and more you got and you, and you you hired guys, and like Scotty Hearn, I mean, was he one of the first guys you hired? It was, it was him could. and a guy by the name of Jim Burton. Oh, yeah. Jim, JB was yeah. actually, JB 
was one of my first employees. There was really no equipment operating schools. We all taught ourselves how to do it. Yeah. You know, that was... And it was rudimentary, too. It was yeah. just levers, not, not no, hydrostatic not, or anything. Nothing. It was all... Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a lot harder then than it is now. Yeah, for equipment Because sure. they were tough, right? Yeah, yeah. So the business, I had a business. I was making a pretty good living. And you know what? I was skiing in the wintertime. Yeah. I was having a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, I working hard. We all were. It was playing hard. Yeah. And yeah, you know, life was pretty good, right? And there was no And that's what kept us here, right? It's the people. And it was a small community and we there was no TV and radio, so we had to be entertaining ourselves. So we ended up drinking a lot. <laughs> we had a ball. <laughs> but we had a good time. We right? had a really yeah. good time. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, I probably worked more than a lot of the, you know, I'd be underneath the machine yeah. fixing it yeah. when my other friends were off doing something else, right? Yeah, yeah you had I mean, to. I had to. No one else was going <laughs> to fix it, yeah, so yeah. I fixed it. When the business, when I really got going, I hired, um, Jim Burton was my first employee, and our first major job, I think, was when all the water mains froze up in Emerald Estates. Oh, oh, right. Uh huh. And Francois yeah. Lapine. Yeah. Right. You remember Francois? Oh, yeah. He was working for Norm Patterson. He looked after the waterworks, right? Alpine and, and Alpine Emerald. And Emerald. Yeah. Every time the, all the water mains were frozen solid, right? No one had any water. It was yeah. just a mess. Uh, it's all rock. I mean, nobody put yeah, anything. And they were only the water mains <laughs> were a couple of three feet exactly. deep yeah. and they were frozen solid. Pretty right? rough. It was yeah. done. Yeah. And, uh, so I hired JB to run the backhoe out there because mm -hmm. before that, um, the year before that, I believe, I bought the first excavator to ever come into this valley. Big I, machine. Big right? machine. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know how to run it. Didn't really know how I was going to even pay for it. But I somehow cajoled some, some independent finance company. I think it was called Traders Finance. Gave me enough money to buy it. Because the guy that they'd finance went broke, and I bought kind of out the remaining part of the debt right. on that piece of equipment. Yeah. And it was a good piece of equipment. It was a large excavator. Excavators weren't used uh, for anything um, back in the day. It was bulldozers and loaders. They were a unique piece of equipment. Mm. And I thought up here with all the rock and the difficult terrain, the excavator was probably the best tool. It was... Being talked about, I bought one, and um, uh, I put it to work. Uh, it, the first job I went on, uh, actually, there's a picture uh, of myself and Pat Carlton, who was the first mayor of Whistler, on what is now Lorma Road. And Lorma Road was actually the training berm. It was the dike that was put in to safeguard what was going to be the town center. And the training room, I trained myself and got paid to do it, mm -hmm. running the excavator, building this dike. But um, now you're up to 60 employees or something? We have about 100 staff. 100 staff. Now. Yeah, wow. we have 100 staff. It's a lot of, now. And it's a lot of business. A lot of business, a lot of, well, you know, so we kept moving along, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, started getting into utility construction water and sewer mains which were either being built or repaired or yeah. whatever yeah and uh <clears throat> i think the first really big job we did was we built phase one of uh, whistler k heights 
Oh yeah, yeah. Back in the day, with for Bernie Brown, nineteen eighty, or and something. Bob Bishop. Yeah, yeah. It was about seventy-eight, seventy-nine, seventy-nine. Yeah. It might. And have been. then inflation. Yeah, twenty-two percent interest rates. Just went down. <laughs> no, you couldn't get those lots of it. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I kept working. Right. Yeah. I kept. Uh, I had two or three excavators by that point. Yeah. My office, I'd moved. I don't know if you remember, Bruce, the Buckhorn Ranch. Yeah. Where, well, which, yeah, you were in the ranch. You were in the little Buckhorn Ranch, that little, yeah. little green log cabin yeah, yeah. in my office, yeah. which is where I think is the 15th fairway on Nicholas North. Mm. No. And it used to flood. Like, oh, flood. I mean, <laughs> oh, it was terrible. You'd put all the ca filing cabinets up on the desk yeah, yeah. and wait for the water to go down. I, know. I remember driving up to the office and the wave of water hitting the front door. <laughs> of the, uh, the, yeah. the water was up to the bumper in my truck. Yeah. And uh, and the, the you water just, just you just dealt with it though. It oh, was yeah. just living in Whistler, right? It it, just, it, it these great. things happen all the time. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, coming to Whistler and yeah. then starting the business, and the business just it it, it went through peaks sure. and valleys. Yeah. But overall, um, you know, I didn't have a lot of overhead then, right? Really. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it just started. It gradually. Continued to, but gather you know, like you say on your website, you've kept your employees. It's, yeah, it's been a like a family. It's it's a good a good. You're a good employer. You know, you have good Christmas parties. You you know, camaraderie. You guys have to work in the dirt, the night, all kinds fix of stuff. stuff like that, and it brings guys together. They, it's it, that's the cool thing about yeah. about the little town. You know, yeah, yeah. People, people are here for for you know the camaraderie. Well, Scotty Hearn, who you were at his uh, service the other day, you know, Scotty worked for me for 40 plus years. I know. And um, 42, 43 years, he, he, uh, he wore out four or five excavators, just wore them right out sure. with the number of hours that he put on. Yeah. How did, how did you get to put that memorial for him on the Valley Trail and the golf course? That's quite the... Well, remembrance for it's pretty neat, actually. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's... it was a bit a bit driven by COVID, and I felt really badly because Scotty was one of the first guys to actually yeah. pass away from COVID, yeah. and he was a really well loved man mm -hmm. in in this town. Actually, throughout the whole quarter between Squamish, Whistler, and Pemberton, you know, he was a bit of a legend. Yeah, and. Um, Another guy in the in the infamous Toad Hall picture. Exactly. Just an, and he <laughs> it's like a, the fathers of fathers uh, of Whistler. He, he was just a he was a terrific guy. But yeah. that memorial I did we did for him, and that was mm -hmm. at our it was our company. It was my idea. Because mm -hmm. Scotty had originally built those tea boxes oh, that okay. were there. Oh, okay. Using like it, the rock the rock the, stacking and yeah, stuff. Yeah. We it was our job to do it. Yeah. Scotty did it, oh, yeah. and he knew the guys at Whistler Golf Club really well. Mm -hmm. Dave Gottslick, who who ran it, you know, and and Al Chris Manson, who's there now, knew Scotty well. We always did quite a bit of work for all of these golf courses, mm -hmm. you know, with it be it flood control or some capital improvements and sure. those sorts of things. So it seemed like a really neat opportunity to do something that Scotty. People who couldn't come and say goodbye to Scotty during their time, yeah. which no one could. No. no one got to say goodbye to Scotty. Not the he, way he should have. Not the way he should have. Yeah. You know, they should have been 
there was nothing, right? Yeah. So I thought, well, at least if we put that memorial of that viewer's bench and area yeah. at the 16th tee there, yeah. people will come by. And it's a gorgeous view. It's a great view. Yeah. And yeah. it had a great history of him. And the golf club was um, kind enough. And Whistler Municipality, they agreed that it was fine. That it was going to be a permanent, permanent memorial to Scott Hearn at that corner. Beautiful. And, Beautiful. and, and that's, that's, it turned out great. Yeah, no, and that's, that's a very Whistler, you know, story. I think that's, you know, fantastic to be memorialized in, in such a solid way for a solid guy, you know, it's, yeah, it was it's, a really it's an amazing solid, thing. Really solid. Guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so um, good, good for you for, for doing that. And, and, uh, you know, uh, it's a, it, it's, it's wonderful that you can, appreciate and then he must have appreciated you to live work for you for 40 years oh, yeah. uh you know so that i mean that's what i want to bring out in this uh this talk is is everybody i interview is here for a reason and the reason is the the community and i think we need to promote that more well it's harder as we get bigger of it, course but, it, it is yeah. but you know bruce um and tim colson my our operations manager now yeah. who is actually a partner in the business with my son matt they own it together one of the one of the sort of the criteria as far as hiring is concerned and we have always found that um whistler is a very unique place you know and it's not everyone's cup of tea but what we found is if you were going to hire somebody you had to make sure that they really wanted to be here if they wanted to be here they were going to be a good employee you could if maybe their skills weren't quite what they should be they could be taught mm -hmm. and and that way i think that's probably one of the reasons we had the retention of employees that we've had historically we don't have much turnover even now um, even these days, actually, I mean, we're into another whole generation of employees, but I mean, we've had guys, Stewie Donald, for example, he worked for me for nearly 40 years. He just retired. I mean, the list goes on sure. and on yeah. and on. Yeah. Right? No. And, and that's good business. I mean, that, yeah. that's just common sense, good business, but a lot of businesses don't don't understand that yeah, you know, yeah. we we've always valued our employees because yeah. um we've, we've always been i think you know a class a employer here in, yeah. in whistler yeah and and if someone um wants to come and work in the heavy construction business wants to run machinery wants to dig ditches we've always been the best company to work for thank you for listening today Join us on my next episode and hear more Whistler stories that need to be told. Please share and let me know what you think of my podcast. If you have a Whistler story that needs to be told, I want to hear it. 